You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. Uh, we're coming to you on an early Thursday morning this week. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But uh, before we get into that, we want to remind you guys to please like, subscribe, review on our iTunes page or anywhere you can find our podcast. And we also want to uh, point you to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 network, including the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and the Longhorn Blitz with Rob Babers and Jeff Howe. Uh, before we get into the day, uh, Nick, how's it going? Going pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, it's been a pretty strong past week in recruiting news, at least for us. So uh, can never complain there. Yeah, a lot of content, a lot of things to, to work with, and, and we'll have some more this weekend as well, it sounds like. Uh, before we get into kind of what the weekend plans are, let's talk about the last week. Uh, we, we mentioned it last week on the show that you and I would both be out and about. Um, I was out in Atlanta on Saturday for Pylon 7 on 7 Atlanta and uh, was able to see some out-of-state Texas targets in that, uh, that competition, including uh, Jacoby Matthews, who I think right now is probably one of the guys out-of-state Texas has uh, the best shot at the safety from Ponchatoula, Louisiana. Uh, he was playing with fast seven on seven, typically plays with the bootleggers. But talking to him, you know, there was a lot of uh, of really strong, I would say, feedback um, when it comes to Texas. You know, he had a lot of relationships with those guys before they came to Texas. Blake Gideon, when he was at Ole Miss, was, was big in recruiting him um, and talked to a couple of the Alabama coaches uh, when they were at Alabama. So, um, you know, Texas is all over that one. Terry Joseph as well, being a new Orleans guy. Um, and I kind of wrote in the stampede that Texas is making a bigger push in, in Louisiana than ever before. You know, when you talk about Jacoby Matthews, they're, they're kind of in the race for Shaz Preston, the receiver from St. James. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they've got a couple of other Louisiana guys they're in on. So, um, Oh, and not to mention Arch Manning in 2023, where Texas is is kind of in an early good spot. So uh, I, I think that's kind of one of the more interesting storylines of, of the staff is, is trying to maximize uh, their ability to recruit in Louisiana. Um, outside of him, I was able to see Jaleel Skinner, who uh, a big tight end from Greer, South Carolina, uh, who was a, a complete freak show at this event. And, you know, you know, Nick, we, we run into these types of guys all the time and they may have a Texas offer and, and we usually think, oh, they're not going to, um, you know, they have no interest probably. I mean, it's just Texas doesn't pull kids from that part of the country very often. And, um, you know, especially when they're in SEC territory, it's it's tough. But uh, talking to him, uh, Andrew Ivins, our, our guy out east, talked to him and uh, he really talked up Texas and his relationship with Jeff Banks and how he wants to get down there and take a visit. So um, it was a, a, a pretty good weekend um at at pylon atlanta nick you were out at end zone seven on seven what did you learn out there yeah i was out at seven uh, end zone seven on seven uh one of my favorite events all year they do a really good job of organizing that um 
didn't have quite the firepower that it had last year, but it was just because Under Armour was Sunday. A couple teams had to pull out, but um, was able to see Harold Perkins. Uh, it was his first time playing seven on seven this spring. Uh, he he did some freaky stuff. Uh, I highly encourage uh, all the listeners to go back on my Twitter and look at a couple of videos that I posted of Harold uh, from Saturday. Um, he was doing some wild things on the field as a receiver even. Um, and uh, he looked pretty good there. Also on his team, uh, Jonah Wilson. He's a 2023 wide receiver. All, already got offers from Texas A&M, LSU, et cetera. Uh, that, that's definitely a name to keep an eye on. But going back to Perkins, I was able to, you know, catch up with him and, you know, talk talk a little crouton with him. And, um, you know, I think Texas is in a really good spot. I think in Perkins' recruitment, back if we're looking maybe October, November, um, I would probably put – you know, Texas and somewhere between like the eight to 12 range, as far as, you know, like where they probably rank. Um, but since this new staff has come on, Jeff Banks, uh, Jeff Choate and Steve Sarkeesian have all, um, you know, had a hand in recruiting Harold Perkins. And I think they're squarely in the mix now. I'd put them in the top four, top five. Um, and honestly, there's not really a ranking of that top four, top five. It's still pretty wide open when it comes to Harold. Um, he's going to be a guy where it's, it's going to be really important for him to, you know, take his visits and, you know, after he takes his visits, I think we'll have more of a clear picture of where he stands. But um, Texas is in a good spot. Texas A&M, of course, is in a good spot. Um, Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, Oregon. Um, you know, there's going to be some there's going to be some big time programs, you know, trying trying to land Harold. And uh, we'll definitely see the recruiting ability of this staff with uh, the recruitment of Harold Perkins. Um, another kid I was able to see was uh, Kevin Coleman, the wide receiver from St. Louis. Um, he was playing out with the uh, KB three. They had a really strong roster this past weekend. Um, he looked pretty good uh, as, as per usual, um, catching dimes from a Florida state commit uh, quarterback. So uh, yeah, again, they just had dudes all over the field and talking to him about his recruitment. He's another guy where, you know, visits are just going to, you know, determine a lot with what happens in his recruitment, but Texas is right there. I think, Personally, if you ask me, I think the top three in no particular order is Alabama, Oregon, Texas. Um, those are definitely the schools to keep an eye on there. Uh, but, yeah, those were the kids I saw Saturday. A pretty strong event. Pretty good weather. Wasn't too bad. And we had a, a big event at Under Armour Saturday. I, you know, the camp itself has been had been kind of changed, the format um, for past years, probably due to COVID. But, uh, I, I still thought we were able to see a good, good amount of, of standouts. Um, let's do this. Let's just go through kind of each position group and I'll give one or two standouts uh, that I thought played really well. And, and Nick, you could do the same. Um, so for O-line, D-line, uh, that was kind of the first thing we got to watch in one-on-ones. I thought Devon Campbell was as good as advertised, uh, as good as I've ever seen him, uh, was quick off the ball, really violent. Um, you know, I mean, that's kind of his brand. He's just so aggressive. He's so strong and, um, he, he competes so hard every time we see him. So I, I thought he was really good. Um, and, uh, Derek Brown, the, the pass rusher from, from Texas high, I thought had, had, a good showing off the edge. You know, I thought the O-line overall probably had the better day than the D-line, but Derek Brown showed some quickness and some burst. Um, And then another guy I really liked is a, is a recent Texas offer, Jaden Scarlett. I thought he was really good at defensive line. Uh, Really, really, really quick first step. um, And and was pretty violent at the point of attack. And then on the offensive line, um, I, you know, he kind of lost a rep or two early Cole Hudson, um, 
but he plays in such a run heavy offense that I don't think he gets those pass blocking reps a lot. So uh, for me, I, I, you know, I thought he rebounded nicely. It, it did a good job. Those were probably the two guys for me on each side of the ball that stood out. Uh, yeah. Devon Campbell was uh, definitely a monster. Um, he had a couple of really good reps against bear Alexander and they weren't necessarily reps that bear lost. It was just the fact that, you know, Devon did a good job of keeping him in front and, you know, driving his legs forward, which uh, that matchup was definitely probably the most fun one that we saw um, uh, in the one-on-ones. Um, you mentioned Cole Hudson, a couple of other names I'll throw out. Uh, Nato, you Zulu from, from Allen um, had a, had a couple of really good reps. And then a, a guy you really liked Mike uh, Austin Aikens, offensive tackle, Nicholas Hall, um, he's got some really intriguing film and, you know, he backs it up with a pretty solid performance uh, on the defensive line. Um, I really liked what I saw from DJ Hicks from uh, Katie Morton Ranch, 2023 defensive end. Whenever these 2023 rankings drop, you know, I'm expecting Hicks to be, you know, pretty, pretty far up there. He's a he's a kid that I really like a lot. Um, there's actually a, a rep that he has on the Under Armour All-American Twitter um, that kind of set the set the camp uh, on fire uh, early on in one-on-ones where he threw an offensive lineman into the ground. And uh, it definitely gave us some energy, you know, early in the morning. Um, Christopher Ross was there uh, as well, uh, had a couple of pretty good reps, um, you know, did a pretty good job of, you know, driving back uh, offensive linemen. Um, and then uh, Chris McClellan, that was another uh, defensive tackle that I really liked from, uh, from Owasso, Oklahoma. He was another one that I really liked from the one-on-ones. McClellan had a really strong day and he tested really well. Um, those numbers are not available to the public because Under Armour or the UC report, which runs the Under Armour camp, they sell those numbers as a service to, to schools. So um, unlike the opening, you won't see those numbers public unless the kids make them public. But um, uh, McClellan was a guy I heard had a really, really strong day, measured extremely well, tested extremely well. Probably a guy who's going to go up a uh, big time in the next rankings. All right, let's go. Uh, running back, linebacker. Um, I didn't, I, to be honest with you, the way the camp was set up in order for us to go over interviews, I didn't get to see a ton of this. What I did see was um, I thought the two guys at linebacker who really stood out to me were Kip Lewis of Carthage and Owen Peewee uh, from Side Park. Those are, I, I really like Peewee, man. Uh, you know, he, he has the I won't say the misfortune, but he plays next to, to Harold Perkins. So, I mean, I, I kind of think that he, uh, you know, people overlook him for that reason. But I think Pee Wee is, is a guy that probably should have 20-plus offers by now. I mean, he's just a big, long, athletic linebacker that is built like a wide receiver, but he'll grow into it. And I thought he did really well in coverage. Um, on the running back side of the ball, it was tough, man. There weren't a lot of guys that just blew you away as running backs. I think Jamarian Miller had a couple nice moments. Uh, Trey Weisner, I, I guess, from Waco Connolly, um, probably had, I would say, the best day of anybody I saw. But again, did not get to see a ton of those reps. Yeah, you mentioned um, you mentioned Kip Lewis. Kip Lewis definitely had a strong, strong outing. Um, I really like what I saw from him. And I like that you're, you know, big on Pee Wee now. Um, not that you weren't to begin with, but yeah, Pee Wee's a, a kid that, you know, I, I've liked for a while. Um, and uh, that's yeah, true. That's you cool. and Tim, you and our friend Tim have been trying to get me on Pee Wee. And I just, <laughs> it just took me, I needed to see him, you know, yeah. and, and seeing him, he was, I, you know, I, I really like what he brings to the table. For sure. And he's got some group of five offers. Um, but, you know, I think, I think he is a power five type guy. You know, once he, he grows into his frame, I think he'll be really strong. Um, but yeah, talking about Travell Johnson, uh, Texas commit, uh, he won the linebacker MVP, uh, for the camp. He was really strong in coverage and he's so quick and, and mobile. Um, he changes direction really fast. He, he tracks the ball really well. 
he did about he did everything well that you wanted to see from him and from a coverage standpoint uh, on Sunday. Really liked what I saw from him. And then uh, Anthony Hill, um, he's uh, he's every bit as, uh, as advertised. Uh, I want to preface it with this, but you know maybe his coverage skills are are kind of lacking at this point. Um, I'm kind of interested to see you know where he kind of um, projects at the next level. Whether you know he moves up and puts his puts his hand in the dirt. Um, I think that's certainly a possibility with his pass rush skills, but uh, that's something to kind of keep in the back of your mind moving forward as far as, you know, 23 linebackers. Um, and then with the running backs, yeah, Trey Wisner was really the only one that stood out to me. Um, just freaky stuff. Um, I think he's going to, you know, really push Ruben Owens for RB1 in the state before it's all said and done with. And then when we go to wide receiver, DB, uh, quarterback, um, <coughs> tied into, I, I suppose, was in there. Um uh, you know, I, I will say this from the beginning. I don't think that, that camp really showcased quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, it was basically just them throwing in um, like these one-on-one situations, but they really didn't go through a lot of like the quarterback drills that you would normally see at a camp. Um, I thought it was it was one of the camps I walked away from thinking, I don't know a ton about any of these quarterbacks, or I, I don't have a, a strong opinion. I mean, Cole Welliver is a guy that that I absolutely love at 24. I mean, I thought he made some really good throws on the day in one-on-ones. Jake Strong was another guy, um, you know, watching. Um, I, I did get to watch Bo Edmondson from Lake Travis a little bit. Like, he, he had a couple of good throws, but I just didn't have a real strong opinion of quarterbacks coming out of it. Receiver-wise, I thought Evan Stewart uh, put on the best show. Uh, Armani Winfield was, was right up there. I thought, actually, Armani had a really, really strong day, tested well measured well and it was really good in drills um so that was a big day for armani um and then db wise uh terrence i mean terrence brooks was was probably the headliner uh, of that group he was certainly our alpha dog for 24 7 and, and earned that but um you know i would say devin bobby from DeSoto was probably my favorite db i saw on the day yeah, talking about quarterbacks, uh, Cole Welliver and Bo Edmondson were, you know, the two that, you know, really blew me away. Obviously, Nick Evers was, you know, really consistent. He won the quarterback MVP. It was definitely deserving. Uh, moving to receivers, yeah, Armani Winfield pleasantly surprised me. Um, I, I've said it a couple times this week to, you know, people that have asked me about his performance on Sunday. Um, you know, his separation skills are actually much better than I thought. And uh, whenever those one-on-ones were really getting heated up, he was winning rep after rep. And, you know, I really liked what I saw from him. And like you said, tested really well. Uh, Evan Stewart, of course, fantastic. Um, there was a rep between Evan Stewart and Terrence Brooks that uh, was pretty was, it was pretty great to watch. And uh, Terrence Brooks put on a show all day. Um, definitely our alpha dog on 24-7. Whenever I saw that, it was definitely deserving. Um, the uh, camp MVP at, at, for the defensive backs was Chandler Rivers, though. I think that's also deserving. He had a fantastic day. He had a couple of interceptions, really good in coverage. He is only about roughly five foot ten. Uh, I think that's the only concern from a recruiting standpoint, but um, he did have a pretty strong day. Uh, looking at some other receivers, uh, Aaron Anderson from Edna Carr, uh, four-star LSU commit. He was really dominant. Um, he made one catch on the sideline that made me, you know, drop my jaw. It was it was pretty insane. He 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 ended up winning the wide receiver MVP. Uh, Ashton Cozart from North Richland Hills, uh, 2023 receiver, uh, looked pretty good as well. Um, Cordell Russell, uh, he, he had a couple of early good reps and then, um, you know, kind of struggled from there on out. But we're still pretty high on Cordell Russell. Um, I think if I think we've mentioned him a few times on the podcast. Definitely a kid that we're keeping an eye on in 23. Uh, and then another 23 receiver, Jackson Lavender from from uh, Lovejoy. 
uh, did pretty well as well uh, against some pretty good competition. Um, and you, uh, you mentioned Devin Bobby, also Cayman Mathis from DeSoto, a 2023 corner. He had a couple of really strong reps. And then uh, another corner that I really came away with, with, you know, a really good thought was JV and Taviano from Arlington Martin. He was there on his home field and uh, he, he had a really strong day. I mean, this is a guy that I think can be, you know, cornerback one um, whenever the 23 rankings drop uh, here in the next couple of weeks. So uh, that's definitely a name to keep an eye on moving forward. All right. So, uh, Nick, you are actually the reason we are doing this Thursday morning when we typically do it Thursday evening is you are about to get on a plane uh, this afternoon. Tell us about your weekend plans. Yeah, uh, looking forward to heading out west, going out to Los Angeles this weekend. Um, going to catch uh, Malik Murphy in action against uh, Chaminade tomorrow night or Friday night uh, as you're listening to this. Um, really looking forward to it. Um, it should be should be some good stuff. Uh, hoping to come away with, uh, you know, a pretty good review and some video and, and some content for the site. But before I head out to the game, I'm going to swing by uh, Bishop Alamany um, High School, um, kind of in that area to uh, check out linebacker Nawafe Tui Halamaka. I believe that's how you say it. And then uh, cornerback Ephesians Prysock, uh, two just fantastic names. We'll start with that. Um, but uh, Ephesians Prysock, a corner that included Texas in his top 10 recently. Um, looking forward to going up there and chopping it up with him, as well as Nawafe, who's a kid that, uh, you know, Malik Murphy is recruiting pretty hard. And that's a linebacker that, you know, uh, Texas is recruiting pretty hard that they think they, you know, have a chance with. So uh, looking forward to getting some scoop on those, those two guys. Uh, and then on Saturday, um, hoping to catch up with uh, 2021 signee Cole Lord, um, uh, the quarterback out of uh, the Los Angeles area, going to go catch him in a, in a workout session and, you know, chop it up with him. I know that's a, a guy that, you know, a lot of people on the board are pretty excited about, even though he is a walk on. Um, he, uh, he definitely had some intriguing offers coming out of coming out of high school. So uh, that's one to keep an eye on. And then uh, Sunday going out to uh, a QB workout with Malik Murphy, uh, Malachi Nelson. Um, there's going to be some other guys in attendance as well. Looking forward to, you know, catching up with some, pa uh, some pass throwers and um, get some more scoop for the site as well. But uh, looking forward to the weekend. Should be a ton of fun. Uh, looking forward to uh, next week getting all that content to you guys on the site. Yep, should be a great trip. And speaking of Malik Murphy, he uh, made his debut last week. I, so here's the deal. I had to wake up at 2.30 to get to the airport for my flight to Atlanta, and that game started at 9 p.m. Central. And I told Nick, uh, have fun. I'm going to bed. Um, let me know how it goes. So I've seen some highlights, but didn't, you know, didn't get to see the game. Sounded like Malik started out, you know, rough, um, had, had a rough start to the game, maybe picked it up in the second half. Uh, Nick, what were your overall thoughts on the performance? Yeah, he started uh, – his first play from scrimmage was a 39-yard completion, and and our little watch party thread, everyone was like, five-star, you know, here we go. And uh, But in the first half overall, he, he struggled. Um, you know, if I had, you know, had to grade his first half performance, I'd put it like a C-minus. Um, just a, a couple of underthrown balls. He underthrew, he underthrew one for a pick, uh, late in the first half. Um, and the, the only score that Sarah was able to put on the board in the first half was off a of pick six. So, um, and again, I, I think it's really important to emphasize that he doesn't have a lot of weapons around him and it was his first varsity game as well as his offensive line is not ideal. Um, he was running for his life pretty much all night, but in, in the second half, he was really able to settle in. Um, he found his groove and he, you know, started getting comfortable with, you know, moving and throwing on the run. Um, and he made some really impressive throws in the second half that, you know, we have seen, you know, from camp settings or workout sessions. 
Um, and uh, he finished really strong. They ended up losing in overtime. Uh, it ended up being a pretty good game against one of the top teams in the state, uh, Long Beach Poly. I believe they were ranked number 15 at the time. Um, but, yeah, again, uh, really good stuff in the second half. I think he ended up with around 240 yards uh, and two touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, and I put in that watch party thread that my final grade was for him was a B um, just because he really, you know, showed some fight there in the second half and really picked it up, made some fantastic throws and even made some plays with his feet, which is something I think we've, we're really kind of looking forward to in these six games that he has is, you know, what kind of dual threat uh, ability does he have? Um, he's obviously going to be your, you know, prototypical pro style passer, but you know, in this game, you're going to have to make some plays on your feet as well. And I think there's definitely some potential there. And uh, he showed it. He had a couple of runs of 20 yards plus. So uh, excited to see what uh, I can see from him in person on a Friday night and, uh, you know, have some more next week. All right. Well, we uh, we're looking forward to hearing your live review from the game. Are you all approved and everything? Are you? Uh, I, I know you've been so. working <laughs> with uh, with Greg Biggins to get some some doors unlocked out west. But do you feel good? Do you feel good with everything? I, I I'm feeling confident. I'll say that I, I do have some phone calls and texts to make today to you know double check and confirm. But I'm looking forward to it. But I also before we move on, uh, I did want to you know give my Pinkertons review as well. Oh yeah, then- Nick went to Pinkertons for the first time. And if you ever listen to this show, you know that that's the official barbecue restaurant of the state of recruiting. Go ahead, Nick. They may as well be sponsored at this point. Um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I, I got a I don't eat pork, so my options were limited. But I got the the turkey breast and the brisket. Both of them were probably the best turkey breast and brisket that I've ever had in my life. Uh, you hyped up the jalapeno rice casserole uh, ordeal, and it was really good. Don't get me wrong, but I think you overhyped it. Just just. I mean, all I said was it's pretty good. Give it a try. Pretty, I'll, I'll say that you put a little barbecue sauce on it, and it it takes it to another level. I say that. I'll say that. And then uh, the potato salad, phenomenal. Uh, I'm a big fan. I think it's between Pinkerton's and the original Cooper's out in Lano. Those are like, you know, my top barbecue joints as of now. And I don't know which one's number one. I'm going to have to go back to Cooper's and figure it out. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of The State of Recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the mailbag. As always, you can get your mailbag questions to us on the Horse 24-7 message board when we put the thread up. Uh, man, I got to say, Charles Daniels, if you are out there, let me know you're okay because I have not got a question from you in months. Um, if you're out there, let me know you're okay. All right. Um, our first question comes to us from Red Wings EK028. Uh, do you see the NCAA lifting the campus visit freeze? 
Yes. For the first time in over a year, I think there is some hope. You know, last year I was pretty pessimistic throughout the entire year when kids kept talking about maybe in in the fall we'll be able to take visits and stuff like that. You know, if you just look at the signs, kind of, um, you could kind of tell which way they're leaning. And, and last year it didn't look like it. Talking to college coaches, they didn't think it was going to happen. Um, but if you look at the signs this year, you know, they are in discussions now. They are uh, recommending that they, they could open up on a limited basis and have some visits. So I think, yes, uh, when it comes time at the end of May, I do believe we will open up and, and be able to have some visits. Uh, I'll say this, whenever they extended the, the dead period from, I, I believe the initial end date was, or initial, I say that, but the most recent end date was going to be April 15th. And then whenever they extended it to May 31st, um, I was on the phone with a recruit actually, and he, whenever um, the news had kind of broke that day, and he was talking to an SEC head coach that had told him that it was with the understanding that May 31st would be the end of it, and uh, 2022 recruits would be able to take visits during the summer um, first, and then 2023 would probably get it in like late July, early August. So colleges are already planning for it, um, and you know, there's already some proposals on the table, you know, with a, a couple of months out before the, you know, the end of the dead period, so I think it's going to happen. I think in June, we're, we're finally going to get visits, and if we do, man, oh man, it's going to be uh, pretty wild as far as, you know, recruiting game. I, you had mentioned it, I think, in a, a mic at night or something uh, earlier in the week, and just kind of saying it's going to be kind of an unprecedented time in recruiting history as far as you know, wild, crazy stuff that could happen. Um, so I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And at the same uh, time, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be a crazy summer. Uh, from Fletch F. Fletch, uh, have you guys ever considered changing the theme music? Love the peaceful twang, but you guys seem more up tempo. This is the most uh, to me. I'm almost going to be a. I'm I'm. I'm about to turn into a five-year-old about this because it's like it was when the theme music was originally chosen when me and Bobby were doing this show and Bobby liked it and I don't care because it's 10 seconds of audio like I, I you know so um yeah we could change it but like again it's it's 15 seconds of audio it's 10 seconds of audio like why does anybody care that much I guess is my question um you know, it's uh, I'm going to dig my heels in on this. Uh, you guys, this is the most overblown issue. Most overblown question I get week to week is changing the music on the pod. I just like that we're an up-tempo offense. That's what he said. That's true. Maybe I'll look at some other options. To, to be frank, I'm, I am I got a lot of other things going on. And I like the <laughs> I can't tell you how far down the, my priority list that the podcast music is um, from Nero 1691. Who are some prospects Texas could benefit uh, with the most if on-campus visits open up? I would say all of them. I mean, Texas hasn't been able – they've had two new staffs in two years for the most part. I mean, this year completely. Last year was, was you know, mostly a new staff, and they haven't had been able to have guys on campus since last March. So – they need all of them on campus. These guys need to get back to Texas. They need to see what the stadium looks like. They need to see, uh, meet these coaches face-to-face, uh, let the parents meet them face-to-face recruit. It's going to benefit all of them. I get. I mean, there's not one or two guys I'm going to single out. Obviously, the out-of-state guys, it, it benefits more. Um, but, man, I, they all of them, every single one of them. Yeah, I want to emphasize the out-of-state guys. I think it's really going to help just because this, this staff can recruit um, a lot of parts of the country really well, especially, you know, the West Coast and the California um, area. Um, and if those kids are able to, you know, take those visits that they want, 
then, um, you know, that definitely, you know, helps Texas quite a bit. But as far as like looking at in-state recruits, you know, there's still quite a bit of 2022 and 2023 recruits who have, you know, never visited Texas. I mean, uh, Reuben Owens committed in 2023 has, has not taken a, a visit to Texas. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing these guys uh, being able to get out some, some schools and, uh, you know, get a clear picture of their recruitments. All right. Um, from Longhorn Fan 815, how would you rank the in-state wide receivers in 2022? Um, for me, it, it starts with Evan Stewart. He's, uh, I think he's the best receiver in the country. So personally, for me, he's there. Um, I would probably have Caleb Burton behind him. And then, uh, and I'm going off the top of my head, so if I forget someone, let me know. Uh, Caleb Burton behind him. Um, I would probably have Jordan Hudson next on that list. Um, and then uh, Armani Winfield, Brendan Thompson kind of b- behind them in, in some order. Am I missing anybody big? You are missing Chris Marshall. Chris Marshall. I would put uh, – probably I would slot Marshall in right in front of, of Winfield and, and right behind – I would put Marshall kind of on the same plane I put Hudson on, gotcha. right behind uh, in that tier right under uh, Evan Stewart and, and slightly under uh, Caleb Burton. Yeah, I would go I would go Stewart, um, Chris Marshall too. I'm, I'm really big on Chris Marshall. I like what he brings to the table. Um, Caleb Burton – uh, Brennan Thompson, Armani Winfield, Jordan Hudson. That's how I see it right now. Yeah, it's a it's a really competitive group. Um, from take it to the banks, uh, we're starting to see some uh, school and prospects schedule official visits for June. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Is it smart for schools to go ahead and scheduling uh, schedule official visits first week of June? And do we think we see Texas start scheduling some? That's something I've been checking around on to see if Texas is getting ahead on that. I haven't heard anything as of yet, although I have heard um, Texas talking to kids about a June visit hasn't necessarily been official. Um, I do think it's smart. I mean, if you're going if schools feel they're going to open up, then yeah, go ahead and get in line and, and get your spot reserved uh, with these kids. Like we said, it's going to be an insane summer. So if you can get them on, on campus immediately, do it. I, I would like to see Texas get a little more aggressive there. Yeah. Mike answers the question pretty well here. So I'm just going to kind of expand on, you know, how important June visits would be um, and something to kind of watch for these recruits that, you know, are seem pretty wide open, such as, you know, the Harold Perkins and the Kevin Coleman's of the world, wherever they take, you know, those first couple of visits, you know, whenever, you know, those visits open up right at the beginning of June, um, that's when we're going to start kind of start getting an idea, you know, you know, who they're prioritizing and, you know, talking to them after their visits, seeing, you know, how they felt about it. So I think that's also something to keep an eye on whenever June rolls around. All right. From O'Horns. Um, most of all the new coaches are used to recruiting nationally and recruiting only the best. How important will that be when going after the best and not just in Texas? I think it's very important to get the best in Texas. How about not letting Ohio state back into the state ever? Uh, you're never going to keep Ohio state and Alabama out of the state, but yeah, I mean, Texas really needs to take that back, uh, for good. Um, yeah, I mean, these guys do have resumes as big game hunters, but you know, you're, you're, you're going to have to also, you're in a state where you have to win that state first before you can really go national. And so 
Um, I think they do have to find, I'm not sure if this is what you're asking, but I think they do have to find the right mix of getting the elite guys in state and also augmenting that with some out-of-state talent. I think that's kind of what you're seeing right now. You know, they are in the mix for a lot of the the top guys in the state, but also, uh, you know, out there recruiting guys like Kevin Coleman and Jacoby Matthews and and guys like that. So um, I think they're they're doing that, uh, if that's your question. Yeah, I think the staff is finding a pretty good balance so far between, you know, recruiting in-state pretty hard and, uh, you know, finding some out-of-state talent that they think, you know, uh, would be interested in Texas. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think they're doing a pretty good job of balancing it. I, something that, you know, past staffs have done um, at Texas is, you know, whenever a sp- specific position group is kind of weak in the state of Texas, um, we've seen, you know, and we've seen, you know, Texas A&M and TCU and, you know, some other power five schools do the same thing. We've seen them kind of settle for some, you know, lower second tier options when, you know, there are better out of state options. And so I say that to say the defensive line group in 2022, um, say if they don't get their top targets, you know, how well do they do going out of state, you know, and identifying some guys and being able to land them. I think that's, you know, going to be really important as far as, you know, finding out of state talent um, with this staff and we'll get an early idea of how they can do that. All right. Our next uh, next question comes to us from a Brandon V96. Are any other guys in the 23 class generating a lot of Texas buzz right now? Still super early, but curious if the Owens commitment might have helped push others in the class towards Texas. I don't think you're going to see a ton of 23 guys jump in. Two guys we've mentioned already in the show that I think if you want to call them early leans, I think you could is, is JV and Taviano and David Hicks. I think both those guys are probably guys that Right now, if I had to make a pick for him, Texas, and and I could actually see Taviano shutting it down sooner than later, but I still think that those guys want to take visits, man. Remember that those kids have never taken visits because by the time, you know, we didn't know JV and Taviano's name when, when that period started last year, he hadn't ever started a varsity game. So um, those guys are want, are going to want to take their trips. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually been considering, um, you know, putting a pretty in-depth article together about you know where texas kind of stands in the 2023 class uh with a because they stand in a pretty good position with a lot of guys that we think will be you know pretty highly ranked when the rankings updates comes out you mentioned taviano and hicks uh if they can land those two guys just alone um that's going to be a huge boost to the defensive side of the ball um but they're doing a really good job so far in 2023 i mean we all kind of know you know the the buzz around arch manning right now um i'm obviously there's not a lot of stock to put into it just yet. He's going to have to take his visits as well as, you know, a lot of these other 2023 recruits and um, even Ruben Owens, he's going to have to take his visits as well. But uh, Texas is early on. They've put themselves in a really good position with a lot of 2023 guys. The more 23 guys I talk to, you know, the, the more positive feedback I get, you know, they're talking to Sarkeesian, they're talking to Jeff Banks, they're talking to, you know, whoever they want to talk to on staff. So um, it's definitely encouraging early on. All right, our next uh, next question from T Hook One, or I'm sorry, from uh, Frank Trevin seventy seven one three. What's the status of tight end recruiting? Does Sark use a prototypical six four two fifty with blended strength and athleticism in his system, or does he have a certain type he'll try and recruit? I think um, I think it's you know his offense is about mismatches, and so um, I think it's trying to find guys who can mismatch, whether that be a, a typical. Uh, tight end that you see playing or or it's like a flex guy so I think you'll see probably a blend of both you know if you look at the guys they're in on right now made a run at Donovan Green but but you know he was committed to him before you know Sark could even 
you know, set, set hang the pictures in his office at Texas. Um, Jalil Skinner is a guy who's, you know, 6'6", 240 right now. So he'll be more of a typical guy, but they are also looking into a couple of other guys like Sean Salas and Jarrell Powers who are more flex receivers. So um, we'll, we'll just see. I think it's more about finding mismatches and creating those type of, of pass catching mismatches. Yeah, I think it's important to keep an eye on tight end recruiting in the next couple of months. I think we'll have a better idea, you know, of the, the prototypical quote unquote Sark tight end, um, you know, that you mentioned uh, just because they went after Jason Llewellyn and, you know, I felt like Texas was in a pretty good spot and then he shut it down and committed to OU. Um, obviously Donovan Green already committed to A&M. Um, and then Jalil Skinner is really the only offer out right now that, you know, I would feel, you know, at least halfway decent about. So um, I believe Texas is going to, you know, make a couple of offers at the tight end position here pretty quick and we'll get more of an idea, you know, of the, the ideal tight end that they like. All right, and our final question from China Doll 10. Uh, way too early prediction. Which team plays in the 6A D1 state championship? Um, well, like Westlake's my easy answer to if he's a champion, but we don't know if they're going to go D2 or D1. If something happens like last year where that pushes them to D1, uh, it could be them. I would say outside of Westlake, it's hard to go with Duncanville again just because they've, they've turned over so much. Um, and I'm trying to think of some teams right now. <laughs> I mean, who's in the usual 6A D1 mix? I mean, North Shore is going to be in a complete rebuild. Uh, Duncanville's – and I guess I shouldn't say complete rebuild. I mean, it's not like those teams, but they've lost the core of what's made them special over the last two or three years. Um, and that's a really good question. Uh, how about, um, I guess the safest one to say would be like the guys who are returning most, maybe probably South Lake Carroll, um, yeah. would be, would be the safest pick at the moment. Um, I, you know, I think that there may be some others out there that emerge, but if you have to ask me right now, if I got to put money down, South Lake Carroll's probably my pick. Yeah. On that region one, region two side of the bracket, I think South Lake Carroll, it's it's going to be tough to beat them, especially in the playoffs. We saw that last year, you know, whenever they got going. Um, I think uh, no bias here, but I think Rockwell Heath could definitely make a run next year as well. Um, well, that'll be in uh, that'll be in six eighty two. Um, trying to think of some other teams in the in the region three, region four side of the bracket. Um, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what Bridgeland can do next year. Um, and even if they do go D one, they did lose a lot, but they still return. You know, Connor Wigman. Um, North Shore, obviously keeping an eye on. But honestly, that, that Region 3, Region 4 side of the bracket's wide open. I think we're going to, you know, maybe see a surprising team make it all the way. It could be like a Lake Travis or somebody like that. All right, and that will do it for the mailbag. As always, get your questions to us when we put the thread up over at uh, Horns 24-7. All right, Nick, I'm going to let you get out of here so you can finish packing your bags, making your calls, and get to the airport on time. Uh, but anything else you want to add before you uh, get out of here? I like how you said finish. I haven't even started. It's going to be a wild morning. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Nick. You got to plan better, man. <laughs> um, all right. We appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate you guys for playing along, uh, interacting with the show each and every week. Uh, you can find us on, on Twitter. Nick is at Nick Harris 24-7. I'm at Mike Roach 247. If you need to find us there, obviously on the Horn 24-7 message board. For Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.